just a few minutes, I'm going to ask those who have felt called by God to go on a trip, um, whether it's a short-term trip, uh, whether it's a midterm or a long-term, uh, to actually leave your seat and to come up front here uh, so that we can pray over you. This is how we want to end uh, our time. Um, and then we're going to sing some, some songs and just worship to the Lord for what he has accomplished. And so if you are already uh, signed up for a trip, there's, uh, there's about 180 people at Providence, I believe, who are already signed up for a trip sometime this year. Uh, or if uh, God put it upon your heart this weekend and your heart is open to going, or if you believe the Lord is calling you uh, perhaps to to move to a place and God might be calling you to become a uh, like a real missionary. Uh, we're all real missionaries, but one that actually goes somewhere else. Uh, and um, uh, this this is for you. Uh, we want to pray for you. Um, but before we do that, I want to remind us of the truths um, that act as fuel that's going to push us forward in the mission. On Friday night, I uh, said to you, I said, you know, it's really important that all of us understand is that God never gives us inspiration for inspiration's sake, meaning it's never intended just to end there. There's no doubt that God, by his spirit, inspires us to, to, to move. In fact, there's probably no obedience without inspiration in any way. There's no love. There's no compassion. It starts with God inspiring our heart to actually do something. And, you know, there's a lot of fuels that can get people to get inspired on a weekend like this. Some of them are really, really healthy where you see videos and you see uh, just incredible things, lives being changed. You hear testimonies and you think, man, I want my life to be invested in something like that. It can also be unhealthy fuel. It can be guilt. It can be guilt that says, you know, I probably should be doing something, so I should go on a trip. And the fact is, is that if you have an unhealthy fuel, it's not going to get you through the week. I remember years ago, I was with my brother, and he had a boat, and he said, would you go fill it up with gas? And so I filled it up with gas. We get to the lake, and we found out pretty quickly that I filled it up with the wrong kind of gas, right? It was still full. The tank was full, but it couldn't move the boat like it was supposed to. And only truth, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to go on a mission trip. I mean, there's a lot of them. There's adventure, there's, there's, there's friendship, there's camaraderie, there's, there's all kinds of things. But at the end of the day, what I want to just remind you in just a couple minutes is the truths that are not going to evaporate. And therefore, your inspiration, if it's based upon these truths, will not evaporate in the course of a week. They all come from Romans, okay? And I'm going to end in the... 10th chapter of Romans. So if you have a Bible and if you want to turn there, uh, if you didn't bring one, I'll try to read it accurately. But, um, but to get to that 10th chapter in Romans, there's actually um, six points that I just want to read to you of things that we have learned last year through the book of Romans that, that serves really as that impetus, that fuel in our heart to push us forward to actually be on mission with God. And the first point is really sad. Um, well, actually, the first one's not. The first one's really gracious, and that's that all people have knowledge of God the Father. We're told this in Romans chapter 1, where Paul writes to us. He says, what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. 
The second truth that we know is this, is that all people have rejected the knowledge of this God, of this truth. You keep reading there in chapter one, it says, for although they knew God, they looked up and can see wisdom and creativity. They look in their conscience and they can see that there's something binding in my heart that wants justice. And every culture has that same thing. He says this, he goes, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And so we know that all people, every, every person, even the ones that are represented in these black flags or the closed countries where there may be just a small church in certain flags that we know. The fact is, is that every single person on this earth has a knowledge of God the Father, and every single person has rejected that knowledge. The third is that there are no innocent people in the world. Not even one. Romans chapter 3, verse 10 says, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. You ask the question, what happens to all the innocent people who do not hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ? And the answer to that question is they're all going to go to heaven. The only problem is there happens to be no innocent people in the world. Romans chapter 10 tells us, verse 1, he actually tells us that Moses says, if you live by the law, you will live. You'll live. Every single person in the whole world that's cast perfect obedience to God's standard of moral righteousness will be in heaven. The problem is there's none. None. And so we all have a knowledge. We've all rejected that knowledge. There's no innocent people in the world. Number four is that every guilty person is condemned for rejecting God. God's word tells us in Romans chapter 3, verse 19. He says, now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those that are under this law, meaning the law that's either in our heart or the ones that have a Bible in their language. He says, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. And so every guilty person in the whole world is condemned for rejecting their creator. Number five is God has made one way of salvation for the guilty. But he's made a way. He has made a way. And we shouldn't resent him or think that he's narrow minded because he gave us a way. We should get on our hands and our face and say, God, thank you for a way, a way. There's not 10 ways. I'm convinced that if God says there's 10, our heart would say, we want 11. God says there's one. We say, we want two. No, there's not two. There's one. And that one we're told, Romans 5 says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 6, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for the ungodly. And then he continues on and you get to chapter 10 where I ask you to turn. 
And what he says there is this, is that God did this on our behalf and that when we were still walking away, he came after us in love. And our response, we're told in chapter 10, verse 9, he says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's a way. And that gets to the last. And it's Christ commands his church to make the gospel known in all nations. This will be the only fuel that will get you on a plane. That will sustain you and strengthen you while you're there. Is that Jesus Christ told you to go. That's who goes. The ones who are compelled by the love of Christ over their heart. And they said, he's telling me to go. I'm going to go. And what he says here next is, 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 is a compelling thing for each and every one of us. Verse 13 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now, I want to show you a slide. Again, it, it's a... Uh, one falls upon the next, and yet what, what you see on the screen is this text inverted. And it's intentional so that you can see what Christ is doing and how this mission is actually going to be accomplished and how we can have confidence in the gospel and how there's only one thing that's literally threatening this from happening. What we're told here in this text is that Christ calls and commissions his church. It's important for you to understand what those words mean. Call mean call to myself. Jesus is standing here. We're all there. He calls and he says, Peter, James, John, Philip, come follow me. You're calling him to me. But then what he also does is he commissions them out. He says, I'm not, I want you and you and you and you come now go. And he tells this of us that Christ calls and commissions his church. Verse 15, it says, then the church sends Christians. It sends Christians. And what happens is this, is that these sent Christians, they go and they preach. What's interesting that happens is when people preach the gospel, unbelievers hear the gospel. Every time you preach it, their ears are going to hear something. They may reject it, but they're going to hear it. And what's interesting, though, is some hearers will believe. And those who believe, what happens is, we're told as they call upon the name of the Lord. And what he says there in verse 13 is that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so when you think about what is threatened in each of this stair step, right? Those who call, they will be saved. We can't stop that. There will be people who believe and they will call. People who hear some of the people that will hear the gospel this year is we want to send 300 out, they will literally, they will believe. People who go, they're going to speak, people are going to hear. 
What's interesting here is the only thing that's conditional here is the church sending Christians. If the church stops sending Christians, the rest doesn't happen. And this is God's plan for the world. So that that one way may be known through the ends of the earth. And Jesus Christ, our Savior, will be glorified forever. You see, it's interesting. Jesus never called us to debate the question of what happens to those that will never hear. He's called us to alleviate the question from being a question. To go and tell them. So this year, as I said, we, we've asked George to increase the number of trips in the hope that more people will, will come. And so I would just ask you this. Is there any reason why you can't go? And if there is, is there any reason why you can't be helping send? 